So as mentioned just moments ago, this evening we're going to look at fear and love in relation to God. Uh, in these just just these few verses, we will look at what we know and what we believe about Christ as believers, in particular God's love and, and, and fear. As mentioned earlier, I want us to look at fear and um, how those who reject the gospel, what sort of fear it is for them, and as believers, how we cast off that fear. From there, we will see how this casting off of fear can impact a believer in relation to the judgment of God and our response to God. So to begin with, we will major on verse 16 before getting into verses, um, the verses uh, 17 to 19. So let's begin. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now the gospel of Jesus Christ is received by individuals in many ways. For some, it is met immediately with anger. And that is because the need of the gospel ultimately points to the law. If we proclaim the gospel right, we are telling sinners to repent. And that points that they are a sinner and that they are in need of repentance. And that can bring about anger in people. For those who follow other other faiths, they too will become angry. Because the gospel proclaims that their God cannot save. For Christ is the only way of salvation. A person may also be angry because they do not think they are in fact in need of a saviour. Because they believe that they are good. How dare anyone say otherwise? The anger can also be because they love their sin and they do not want to part with it. Their lifestyle, their life choices are more precious to them and they do not want to separate themselves from this. Others may respond to the gospel with mockery. They may laugh at the thought that God is even real. How can someone be so stupid and naive to believe that God exists when science has clearly proved otherwise. These people tend to be bizarrely superstitious. I've met so many people who deny that there is even a God, yet they are superstitious. They will send a prayer to people when bad things happen or even suggest that a loved one who has passed away is now with the angels in a heaven that doesn't exist with a God that they don't believe in. Some even treat the gospel with apathy. They don't want to think about what will happen at death. They just want to bury their heads in the sand, live a quiet and peaceful life in an attempt to not to worry or stress themselves about what lies after death. But we know, for those who believe, in another response, the correct and true response to when we hear the gospel. And that response is what we find in verse 16. People know and believe. You see, the Christian has known and believed the gospel. They have known because they have received the information. They realise that they have been condemned by the law. They understand that they have guilt. 
And they have known and understood the love of God. They have acknowledged the truth that Christ is the only way of salvation. They recognize, they know and understand who Christ is, what he has done, what he has achieved in his life and death and resurrection. And with all that knowledge and information, they have believed and trusted in Christ. A believer has been persuaded. They have placed their confidence and their trust in Christ as their Lord and Saviour. But what has brought them to this point? How have they known and believed that John points out here? How do people come to believe the gospel? Because we know that every person is dead in trespasses and sins. Their hearts are orientated towards evil and do not desire anything of God. How can somebody in such a state believe and trust in Christ? You see, such knowledge and belief can only be attained through faith. Ephesians 2, 8-9 For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, John in verse 16 has followed on from the gospel message that he preached in 14 and 15, and has stated that the Christians whom he writes to have by faith been saved. They have known and believed the love that God has for them. They know and believe the gospel, which is the manifestation of God's love towards his elect. And again, in this chapter, John states that this truth, this gospel, shows that God is, in fact, love. God is love. And this truth that God is love is the reason we have the gospel is because God is love that the Father sent his only begotten Son. It is only because God is love that the <clears throat> that God the Son Jesus Christ willingly came to get to give his life. It's because God is love that the Father sent in the name of Christ, the Holy Spirit, gave us the Holy Spirit to teach us all things. So for the, those who do indeed dwell in this love, dwell in God and God in them, as verse 16 shows us. So in this love that people have believed and known, what does it mean when John states that we are to dwell in this love? And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love, dwelleth in God, and God in him. So what is John saying to us here? We are to dwell in love. This is the call of the Christian. What does it mean to dwell in love? Well, we are, const we are to constantly abide in the love of God. This is why when we preach, when somebody preaches a sermon, it must include the gospel. Without the gospel... A sermon is just a talk. It's a lecture passing on of details. The sermon must include the gospel so that the believers can continue to abide in the love of God. For it is the love of God that motivates, encourages and empowers the believer to walk with Christ. Abiding in love pushes us to, to depend on the love of Christ. 
That enables us to, even though as sinful as we are, we may we may pursue to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and to love our neighbour as ourselves. Love leads us to desire the commands of God. Psalm 143, verse 8. David writes this. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. David cries out to Lord to ask God to remind him of God's loving kindness. And then to show the ways in which he should walk. David wanted firstly to remember and to abide in God's love. That's the foundation of what David wanted. He wanted to to be reminded of the love of God. And this is what David required in order to walk in the ways that the Lord lays out for him. For David was in a terrible situation. There were enemies around him. But David knew what he needed to do. David understood what he needed. So he sought the Lord and asked the Lord to help him to remember the love of God. And that would enable him to walk rightly in the way of the Lord. Not perfectly, but would enable him to walk in the Lord's ways. So this dwelling, this continuous reminder to ourselves of the love of God is evidence that the individual dwells in God and God in him. Paul writes about this fact in 2 Corinthians when he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So if we dwell in love, we are in Christ and in Christ we are new. We are born again. The old ways of sin being our master are gone. Our new master is Christ. Our new master is our saviour. We know that in the newness in Christ, we have been created for good works. So to summarise this, we are to dwell in Christ. And Christ in us, and to dwell in Christ is to have communion with the Lord God Almighty. We have communion with the creator of heaven and earth. This reminds us of what a wonderful blessing it is to be in Christ, to dwell in the love of Christ. So when a Christian dwells in the love of God, there cannot be anything else but a change in them. As stated, a Christian who dwells in the love of God will seek more and more to do the Lord's will. But there will also be other proofs that in fact they dwell in the love of Christ and that he dwells in them. And this is what we see in the next few verses. Herein is our love made perfect. That we have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made it is not made perfect in love we love him because he first loved us first of all john writes that by dwelling in the love of god it will have its perfect work in in us that when the day of judgment comes when we face death or the return of christ we will not just be without fear but we will 
have boldness. Now again, we must remind ourselves of, of, of what fear is this. The fear that John is speaking of is not the filial fear, not the one that we now have as believers towards God, this reverence, this respect towards God. John is speaking of the servile fear, which is a fear of judgment, a dread at what will come when we are face to face, if we are outside of Christ, if we have not placed our faith in Christ. So we will have boldness, not because of anything that we have done, not because of the works that we have done, or the things we have thought, or if we have managed to work certain things out, regardless of where we are in life. We will have boldness because we are abiding in the love of God. We are abiding in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. So at the judgment, a Christian who has, as we've seen, has known and believed the gospel, again, that that Christ is the manifestation of, of God's love to us, that he was sent to save us from our sins. When we know and believe in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, we will not have this dread of judgment, we will not have this fear, but we will be bold. And this is what John is speaking of when we <clears throat> love is having its perfecting work in us. He's referring to us boldly going to, to the Lord at the judgment. So when we come to the day of judgment, God will not see our pitiful works for they are but filthy rags. We will be judged by Christ's works, as John has stated, for we are abiding in him. And it's his works that are good. It is his works that are righteous. It is his works that are perfect in every way. And not only will we not fear, but we will be bold. Because we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He has dressed us in the garments of salvation. Therefore, death to a believer is a wonderful thing. A believer need not fear because Christ is with them. He will represent them at the judgment and bring them safely home. So within this love of Christ, the fear of judgment will be cast off. And again, I just want to touch on this fear once more. The fear of judgment ultimately is why we fear death. It's because after death, there will be judgment. The fear that Adam and Eve fell in the garden drove them to do what? It drove them to hide from God. And it's this same fear that is in every non-believer today. So when they think of death, they fear at what comes in their very last moments. Whether this is laid in a bed dying as some form of sickness, an accident that in the last few seconds before there is an impact, fear will grip that person. We see fear at the moments of death in war on a battlefield. Or even when there is a sudden death, there will be fear. The fear of what is coming next. The fear of what happens when I close my eyes for the last time. Or the fear of the moment when we take our last breath. For it is death that leads to judgment. And there is always that dread of God when a person is not saved by faith in Jesus Christ. That fear, that dread torments 
every man. We read it here, don't we? Because fear hath torment. So a man who wants to deny God and God's judgment cannot do this easily. It takes effort because they have to deny what they ultimately know. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Every man knows that God exists. There will be a fear at death. Now, people may seek to blunt this thought of judgment. They may go as far as we mentioned to deny that God even exists. Though all, although even in the light of all the evidence that shows us that there is a creator. Others will attempt to distract from this through drink, through drugs, through hobbies, through various things that will take their mind of the judgment to come. Others may even attempt sinless perfection. But this ultimately ends with them refusing to accept any form of rebuke. For if they are being rebuked, they are not sinless. And it would mean that they have offended God. Others may even be driven mad trying to escape this thought of judgment. A pastor once said um, about the fearing the fear of God for those who, who don't believe. He said that he sometimes wondered how it was that godless men front the facts of human life and do not go mad. He says, for here are we naked, feeble, alone, plunged into a whirlpool from the awful vortices of which we cannot extricate ourselves. The fear of God is in every man. And they try in so many ways to dull that fear. So outside of Christ, separate from his love, we will come face to face with God at the judgment with no place to run, no place to hide. Men will attempt to flee because they will fear the Lord, but they will all face judgment. But this fear has been cast away for every believer because... They have known and believed the truth of the gospel. They rest in peace knowing that in Christ they are safe. In Christ the judgment has passed from them onto Christ. He took what they have deserved and instead they will receive the most wonderful gift, which is eternity with God. So that dread of, did I do enough? Which the answer is always no. That fatigue of living a life attempting to deny God takes effort. It will drain any man. That attempt to block out any thought of judgment, of denying the existence of God, is all because we are desperate not to face the idea of judgment if we do not have faith in Jesus Christ. And for the believer who who does not fear, this is because the love of Christ is having its perfect work. And it delivers them from that judgment and ultimately brings out a perfect peace. And isn't this what we love about our Lord and our Saviour? All that he is, all that he has done and all that he has delivered us from. And then John goes on to add that little bit more. 
he's told us about how the love of God has cast out fear. And that we can be bold in the day of judgment. And that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out that fear. And how that fear torments us if we do not have faith in Christ. But we love Christ. And why do we love Christ? Because of what we read in verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. It's a wonderful statement of the Christian faith. We have known and believed that in Jesus Christ, God has loved us. No other religion has this. No other religion has this certainty. A Christian can boldly claim that God loves them and that they love God. Only a Christian can claim with certainty that they have a relationship with the creator of the heavens and earth. And that relationship is one of love. Because God himself loved us first. No other religion has this. All other religions is about earning the favour of God. And then at the judgment you hope, as Glenn said earlier this morning, you hope that you've done enough. And we have never ever done enough. There is nothing in and of ourselves that can earn salvation. Salvation only comes because God has loved us. So Christian, remember this truth in every battle, whether it's against the things in this world or whether it's against the the sin that still remains in us. God loves us. And this has been shown because he has sent his son to die for, for us. That death and resurrection, the death and resurrection of Christ was the outworking of God's love for us. That we may and know the beautiful truth that we are loved by God. For those who may deny God exists or think that you can achieve your own salvation, you're merely denying that fear that torments you. So I say, embrace that fear, run to the cross and repent and believe the gospel. For there you will find perfect love, perfect peace, of which casts out the fear of judgment. And we can boldly go knowing that Christ is with us. Amen.